Thank you for coming today's uh, Bible class. I'm Fernando, your instructor. Let's go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. For your word says, For I can do everything with the help of Christ, who gives me strength, the strength I need. Amen. <clears throat> Thy will be done, Lord, in our lives as it is in heaven. From faith to faith, today... January the 13th, in good times or at bad, by Gloria Copeland. Scripture for today is Psalm 91, 14 and 15 verses. It says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Psalms 91, 14 and 15. God is called by many names. He is the Lord, our healer, the Lord, our provider, the Lord, our banner, and the Lord, our righteousness. He's also our, the Lord, our salvation, the Lord, our shepherd. He also promises to be our deliverer in this troubled world that may very well be what we need for him to be most often. There are many believers who never experienced God's mighty deliverance power because instead of walking closely with him day in and day out, they wait until danger strikes to call upon him. That just doesn't work. If you want God to rescue you in the bad times, you have to, to fellowship with him in the good times. Why? Because God responds to faith. Our faith, not our need, is what causes him to act on our behalf. And we'll never be able to develop that kind of faith, that kind of trust and confidence in him. If we don't spend enough time with him to get to know him. In 1 John 3, 20 to 22, tells us what we have to confidence toward God when we do the things we are pleasing in his sight. It tells us that we have confidence towards God when we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. If we only serve God half-heartedly, then we will not have confidence in him to deliver us from trouble. When danger surrounds us, instead of being filled with faith, we'll find ourselves paralyzed with fear. Love and serve God with your whole heart. Walk closely with him in the good times. Then when you need him to be your deliverer, you'll know without a doubt you can trust him to care for you. Amen and amen. Our next reading is January the 14th, Under Your Feet by Kenneth Copeland. Acts 3, 34-35. Excuse me, Acts 2, 34-35. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand while I make your enemies thy footstool. Even though Satan lost all his authority on this earth, Jesus rose from the dead. For the past 2,000 years, he's been running around as a spiritual outlaw, continuing to kill, steal, and destroy 
all who will let him. But you know, he's not going to be able to do that much longer. There's coming a day when he's going to be put out of business completely. There's coming a day when the evil he's done here on earth will be put totally underfoot by the power of God. Most believers know that's true. They shout it and rejoice over it, but they haven't really understood how it is going to happen. They haven't realized that they are the foot that's going to trample down the works of the devil. Jesus is the head of the church. You and I are the feet. We are the ones who are going to take his authority and power and stomp on sin and sickness and every other dynamic thing on this earth. We are the ones God is going to use. And Acts 2.35 says to make Jesus enemies his footstool. That's what Jesus was telling us when he said, Go you into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Cast out devils, lay hands on the sick. He was saying, go and be my foot. He was saying, all power and authority have been given unto me, both in heaven and earth. Therefore, you take it and use it to put the devil under. But instead of obeying him, we waited around wondering when God was to do something about this mess here on earth. We sat around wondering why it's taking so long for Jesus to come back. With the reasoning is taking so long, Jesus is waiting on you and me. He's waiting on us to keep out of his power, put the devil in his place, and win the world. He's wanting us to drop our silly doctrinal difference and get, that, get busy doing what God has said we would do. The Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put down ten thousand to flight. Every time we get together, we increase our strength astronomically. If we just get together and figure out who we are, if we realize that we're the feet of Jesus, we could kick Satan's out of earth affair with ease. Do you want to hasten Jesus' return? Then quit sitting around, starting at the clouds, starting stomping around in the spirit. Start putting the works of the serpent under your feet. And we can wrap this thing up and go home to glory real soon. Genesis, amen. Let's go to our next reading, please. We're going to go to uh, the next one, which is the 15th of January. There we go. Thank you so much for coming on today. I salute you as a warrior, as a good soldier in the army of the kingdom of God. Amen. We are the procession going forward, celebrating the things of God in Jesus' mighty name. In Matthew 6.31, the Amplified Bible says, Therefore, do not worry and be anxious. God is vehemently against worry. Jesus preached against it. Paul preached against it. The whole Bible preaches against worry because it was designed by Satan to produce stress, strain, and death. Yet many of us still act as if it's an option, as if we're free to worry if we want to. But we're not. Worrying is a sin. It is one of those things that the Word of God directly commands us not to do. What are you supposed to do when, then when all the concerns you have about your problems? In 1 Peter 5, 7, God says you should cast them all upon Him and not 75% of them, not all of them, but the ones about your kids all of them. Your confession every morning should be, 
I do not have a care in this world, Lord, because I cast every one of them unto you, unto your hands, Jesus. Amen. Let me illustrate how that works. Let's say you were standing about 20 feet away from me and I tossed my car keys to you. If someone else were to come to me and say, Brother Copeland, I need the keys to your car. I need to use it. I would say, I can't help you. I cast my keys over on him. I don't have them anymore. That's what you need to do with your worries. You need to cast them over on the Lord's hands and take not take them back. As Satan brings you worry through your mind saying, what if this terrible things, what if this, what is that? Then you can tell him to take a hike, to go talk to God about it. It is in God's hands, not yours. Once you do that, changes will start to take place in your life. Problems you've been fretting about for years will start being solved. You'll no longer be trying tying God's hands with your worry. His power can begin to operate because you acted in faith and cast your cares on him. You cast your cares on the hands of Jesus and you're not opening up his hands trying to take your cares back, hopefully. Remember though, God will not take your cares away from you. You have to give them to him. Then you have to replace those worries with the word. You are the one who has to keep your thoughts under control, but you can do it. The great one dwells within you. He is able to put you over. Commit it to him. You'll never have to worry again. Amen. Let's go ahead and uh, see how many we can do here. Now for January 16th. Jesus can set them free. And Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. There are those who said that some of these diseases that are on the rampage right now, diseases such as AIDS, are God's way of punishing immoral people today. There is absolutely no scriptural basis for that. God does not bring disease on the human race. In fact, if there's anyone in heaven and earth who hates it, it's Jesus. The devil is the one who's trying to tell us otherwise. He's promoting a lie, trying to get us to believe God is the one who's inflicting these diseases on people because he knows what's, that if the victims believe that, it will drive them further from God than ever. And that's his aim. It's time you and I, as believers, put a stop to that lie. Some time ago, the Lord spoke to my heart and told me so. He said, reach out to those who are suffering. Let them know I didn't do this to them. Let them know I am their deliverer. Amen. That word was not just for me. It was for the whole body of Christ. We need to tell people who've been afflicted with AIDS or any such disease that Jesus is Lord over it. He has overcome it. We need to tell them the good news that, that God loves them dearly and that he has desire and power to heal them. Amen. God is not responsible for the suffering we're seeing around us. That's just a nasty lie the devil is passing around. And if you, you and I do our job right, very soon another word is going to start spreading through the streets. The news is going to get out that Jesus Christ, not their captor, he is the one who can set them free. 
Amen. And now we'll go ahead and jump to the 17th of January. Jesus, amen, Jesus can do it. Let's see if we can do a whole seven days from Saturday to Saturday. Let go, let God do it his way by Kenny Copeland. In 2 Kings 5, 10, 11, the Amplified Bible, it says, Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman went, was hangry. So often we miss out on what God wants to do for us because he doesn't do it the way we think he should. We work up an idea in our minds about how he's going to heal us. For instance, we think he's going to send some famous preacher to lay hands on us or that he's going to knock us off our feet with a blast of his power. When he doesn't, we let our faith drop and fall up what he had actually planned to do. That's what Naaman did when he went to Elijah expecting to be healed in a particular way. When it doesn't happen that way, the Bible says he went away in a rage. What Elijah told him to do was simple. Dip seven times in the Jordan, Naaman could do that. But I didn't, it didn't fit his idea of how his healing should take place. He thought Elisha should heal him by waving his hands around and calling on the name of the Lord. Naaman stormed away and he would have missed out on his healing if one of his servants hadn't taken him into giving Elijah's instructions a try. I used to be like that. I wanted spectacular experiences from God so badly I was missing out on the experiences God has planned for me. Once I realized that, I quit looking for feelings and spectacular manifestations and just started expecting God to keep his word. I remember I went to a meeting one night with my ankle messed up terribly. The pain was so severe, it went from my foot all the way to up to my shoulder blades. But I went into the meeting expecting God to heal me. During the praise service, I ignored the pain on my foot and just sang and worshiped with everyone else. When the preacher started, I got my Bible and I got involved in the Word. Sure enough, something during the service, I was healed sometimes. I don't know when it was, I didn't feel anything. Okay, let me say that again. Sometime during the service, I was healed. I didn't see any sparkles go off. I didn't even realize I had been healed until after the service. I got about halfway to the door and thought, glory to God, my foot's well. Don't let your own ideas of how God is going to work rob you of your healing or your deliverance or your prosperity. Just try, just trust him and let him do things his way. He will work mightily in you. Amen. Now let's go ahead to the next one. 18. Thank you so much. Let, 18, here we go. Get Yourself Together by Kenny Copeland. Amos 3.3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? When it comes to faith, a lot of believers feel like they have one foot nail on the ground. No matter how hard they try, they just can't seem to make any progress. If you watch them, you can see why. They literally haven't gotten themselves together. One minute they'll be telling you, oh yes, amen, I believe the word. And the next minute they'll be 
fouting unbelief like it's going out of style. I know God says he'll prosper us, but I'll tell you what, my business is going so badly, it's about to give me ulcers. I can't sleep at night for worrying. Dig a little deeper and you may find out that they're pulling their actions out of the line with the word as well. Well, you understand, brother, I can't possibly tithe with my income like it is. I'll go under. Fate just won't work for a person like that. You see, your triune being, you are a spirit. You have a soul which consists of your mind while in emotions. And you have lived in a body. Each of those areas has a speck role to play in your fate walk. You have to get all, all three in agreement before you can go anywhere at all. Starting by feeding your spirit on the word of God. Start by that. Just like the body produces physical strength when you nourish it with food, the spirit produces spiritual strength when you nourish it with the word. That spiritual strength is called faith. Develop that faith and instead of your spirit being dominated by other two areas, it will be the one in charge. Next, bring your soul in line. Set your mind on things above. Meditate on the word until your thoughts begin to agree with it. Keep your attention on it until even your emotions yield. Finally, bring your body in line. Once you truly get your spirit and soul established on the word, that won't be hard. The body is a follower, not a leader. It will do whatever you train it to do. Begin teaching your body to act on the truth. You plant it in your mind and spirit, and it will follow right along with you. If you get, put some three by five cars together that you can flash them every day because your your body, get your body in line because it's not a, a leader. It's You have to train it to follow you. Don't try to walk in faith with your foot nailed to the ground. Get yourself together. Bring your spirit, soul, and body in harmony, and the word will take you as far as you want to go. One of the areas is write down three by five cards. Say, I am easily and happily praising the Lord all day long. And then put why, because it beats up the enemy and restores my soul. You can always put a why. Why am I doing this? Next one, you can, I am easily and happily thanking God for his resources. Why are you doing this? Because only through gratitude can you get resources. Unless you appreciate what we have, the present resource, we won't be able to get any more. I am easily and happily praising the Lord and thanking Him for my life just the way it is. It gives God a chance. Why? Because it gives God a chance to get me what I need, a desire, uh, uh, instructions, an insight, or uh, anything that I may need. God allows, allows it to come to pass in my life. By asking for his help, asking for the counsel of God. All right, one more. January the 19th. Okay, it says, from mess to miracles. Can I Copeland? A fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. Proverbs 18, 7. We have what we say as believers. We know that's a vital biblical truth. We can see it in Mark eleven twenty three. Matthew 21, 21, James 3, 2, and many other verses. Yet we often let it slip. We allow ourselves to begin talking the world instead of talk, talking the word. And eventually you, we get what we've been asking for, a big mess. 
If that's what happened to you, and remember, whatever you have in your life is a product of what you've been saying. In order to change what you have, you must change what's coming out of your mouth. To head your life in the right direction, from death to life, sickness to health, failure to success, you must take charge of your words. That's a lot easier said than done. But that's the key. It must be said in order to be done. How do you start? First, realize that it can't be done just in the natural. This is a spiritual law, so I must be, it must be handled with spiritual power. James 3, 7 and 8 says, The tongue can't be tamed with the same power with which man tames animals. It takes God's wisdom from above. God's word is his wisdom, Proverbs 2, 6. He also said his words are spirit and life. That means it takes God's words to tame our tongues. Second, repent before God for every allowing your tongue to be used by anyone except the Holy Spirit. Then give Jesus your tongue. Be determined to speak his words of love, faith, joy, peace, and grace. Words of faith stop the fiery darts of hell. The third thing to do is what Jesus said in Mark 4, 24. Take heed. Or listen to what you hear. Listen to yourself. Think, do I want what I said to come to pass? If the answer is no, then stop and correct yourself right then. Replace those negative words with praise. If you've gotten sloppy about what you say, change your course today by changing your words. Ask God to help you set a watch over your mouth. Put the power that's in your tongue to work for you instead of against you. Stop using it to make messes and start using it to make miracles. There is a miracle in your mouth. Amen. Okay, then one more. This will be our last one. And Believe the love. Believe the love by Kenny Copeland. 1 John 4.16 says, and we know and believe the love that God has for us. One day, as I was walking along a highway through a park praying, I, I, I asked a simple question. Lord, what do you want me to do to tell your people? With a moment's hesitation, these words came ringing through my spirit and my mind. Tell them how much I love them. They were so filled with love and compassion that it defiled words of expression. For days after all, I couldn't think of what 1 John 4.16. All I could think about is this. And we know and believe the love that God has for us. We know and believe. We read about God's love. We hear about it. But I don't think many of us have really believed it or experienced it. If we did, it would totally change everything about us and everything around us. It's that love that causes Jesus to lay down his life for us and to experience for himself all the pains and weaknesses we experience. It's the love that Jesus says to us, even when we feel so unworthy. Come to me and get what you need. Don't be shy about it. I've been there. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Think about it. God is in love with you. So in, in love, he's given you everything he has. He has given you all the healing, all the wisdom, all the help, all the strength you could ever need. But what about my terrible past? 
That's what His mercy is for. It's taking care of your past. It's covered every sin and failure you ever had. All you have to do now is believe and receive His love. Believe and receive. What a shame is it is that people who suffer the hands of sickness and disease and every other curse thing just because they can't believe the love God has for them. Don't let that happen to you. Learn to believe the, the love. Believe the love of God has for you. It's already been released in the blood of Jesus. Believe the, lo the love and it's already been released in Jesus' name. Believe the love. It's already been released in his word. Meditate the scriptures over and over. Say it to yourself again and again, day after day. I believe the love Jesus has for me. Once it gets down into your heart, you'll never be the same again. And one of the ways to do it is get that three by five card and write on it. I am easily and happily believing in the love God has for me. I am easily and happily believing and then you put why, why at the bottom. Why well, to love myself after you've done to love myself and treat myself better. A lot of us don't love, love ourselves and we treat ourselves badly. So this, you carry it on the three by five card and say it, say it over and over again. I am easily and happily believing the, the love God has for me. I see this. That's why people tattoo themselves. That's why people treat others badly. They, don't, they haven't tapped into the love or allow the love to come into their hearts and make a difference to us. Amen. So, in all in all, in a nutshell, let's wrap everything together. I am easily and happily strengthened, and I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. And then you put why to, to be a better service to myself and others. I am easily and happily <clears throat> praising the Lord and giving thanks unto him for my life just the way it is. And then you put why on the three by five card. Because it routes the enemy and gives a chance for God to success for my life. Amen. You can put it, I am easily and happily thanking God for my difficulties. And then you put down why? Because I can see and tap into God's mercy. Amen. I love you. God bless you. Let's go ahead and, and pray out. They say, God, all things are possible with you. And we just surrender and give you our lives, our times, and our three-by-five cars, Lord. You said you will instruct us in the way that we should go. You will talk to us through your voice and your spirit. Thank you for loving us today and making us your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, go in peace. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen.